These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, the show where I talk to artists, comedians, activists, astrologers this week about the afterlife. My guest is Odinaka Ezeokoli. I know Odinaka through the comedy scene. He's a very funny comedian. He's also, as I mentioned, an astrologer. And you will hear some astrology Saturn return-esque shit in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. You can follow him, visit his website, and book a session with him at the links in the show notes. You can follow me and go to my website, get my newsletter, also at the links in the show notes. Now, you're not getting the full experience of this episode unless you're going to patreon.com slash Marr. Every single one of the people who subscribe to my Patreon get the full, almost hour and a half long version of this episode. You will get Odinaka's Kill One Thing segment. You will get a long chunk on funeral planning, where he and I go back and forth about music a ton. And there are bits and pieces of the other segments that I shaved down for this episode for time. So if you want that full episode, go to my patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Thank you to my pigeon level patrons, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang. I appreciate you all for making this possible. Thanks to the people who recently rated the show on iTunes. Rate the show, review the show on whatever podcast app you use, but more importantly, tell the people you know who would like this shit. This shit is not for everybody, so I need all the people it is for to know about it. So take a screenshot, text, include it in your Zoom Thanksgiving. That said, please enjoy this episode with Odinaka Ezeokoli. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatan. When I'm in Shatan, I it's so funny how just these stand-ups come in. Like you see, you see, you see, you see new comments come in. It's like, wow, they learn, they take care of themselves. They're like, you know, and it's like three years of stand-up, fucking two years of stand-up. It's like, yo, the whole, the the whole thing has come. The walls have come in. Everything's unraveled. Yeah, this shit just does it to you. Yeah, it's like you, and they came in with like some savings from a logistics job <laughs> yes, they had. Oh my god, and then it just fucking. <laughs> They they revert. It's wild, man. Well, yeah. Dude, yeah. When I first started, I had a government jo- I had a job with the state of Georgia, government job. I could not be fired from this job. And I quit to move to Chicago. And <laughs> what was the government job? What I worked was, for the Environmental what? Protection Division. I yeah, I was I was well, like inspecting uh wastewater stream. Yeah, it was like the one it was like, oh, I want to use my chemistry degree in a way that doesn't work for pharmaceutical companies. And I, I it was like this is like one way I could do it. Cause the and it's like it's either you work in a you work for some pharmaceutical company or you don't <laughs> like this. It's like with a chemistry degree, it's like like at a at a bachelor's level, like they're they're the people that hire Department of Defense, Department of Defense, pharmaceuticals. Like I don't want to kill people indirectly, and so yeah, so I worked yeah. at Georgia, and but then but I also but I hated it. It was like it sounds good. People are like, oh wow, you're doing some commendable yeah, work, environmental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I hated my job. My boss was like so annoyed by me. She was like, oh, this fucking kid. She's like, she called me in one day. She's like, oh, not, it just seems like you just don't care about this job. You're like, do people care about their jobs? What? Why are you supposed to? Who cares? And I was like, I don't. And I couldn't even bullshit. Her. I and she was like, please don't ever say that to any of your managers, like ever again. Like, uh, oh, you just said you don't. You're yeah, like, it's like actually, I, I don't care about this job. Like, I couldn't even. Like, I was. I couldn't even. Bo- I couldn't even like make up a like. Oh no, it's just like no, nah, I, I don't care. Like, I, I barely did any work. So anyway, I quit that. I moved here, and yeah, my life quickly unraveled. Um, 
Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that's like, ugh. Anyway, you know, living the artist life, you know? Yeah, man. Had you started comedy before you came here? Yeah, I was doing it for three years um, in Atlanta. And I was doing it, um, mm. yeah, I started in Atlanta 08, graduated college, and I was doing three years. And I was working at that. That was my day job, and I was doing stand-up at night. And then, um, yeah, and then I moved, and I moved here because uh, I didn't have enough money to go to New York, and I moved here. And I, anyway, there was a whole there was a whole thing. But I always thought I remember when I started, I was like, I would never be a starving artist. This is something I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so funny! What a funny thing to say. I said I would never. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Moved to Chicago one year later. Just did like, you ever? Did you have a reckoning where you were like, actually, I'm cool with being a starting art, starving artist, or did it just kind of happen? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was um, yeah, I think that was like maybe two years in. I got I got fired from this valet job, and I was unemployed, and I was just like, I was so, I still had my like my, I have a chemistry degree mindset. Like, how could this happen to me? I got fired from my job. I don't even like fucking, <laughs> and it just it really, I just really fucked me up. Like, it, and that was a reckoning of like how much status is such a big thing for me just like this big unconscious motivator it even made me think like maybe my question like why am i doing am i doing stand-up because i want to do it or am i doing because of this stat this desire for status um in some kind of way but anyway mm-hmm. but i came out of that that was my, and that also was my Saturn return whatever but i came out of that knowing like yo this i'm an artist and i'm on this path hell or high water i'm here to do this 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 is what i'm here to do um but and but that was like nine months of being unemployed my best friend died. My childhood best friend died. And at, the, at that moment, it was like him dying was like, yo, nigga, you got to live your life. Like, you can't just be. Because before that, I was like, that on that, like, being far from that valet job really sent me into a deep depression. But I wasn't even, I didn't even have the term depression at the time. Like, I couldn't even, which so, so it was even worse. So it was like, I didn't know. It was like to be sad and not know you're sad. And like, the, mm. and then, um, and so it's like this, it's this stuck place. Yeah, so let's back up because you're we're we're like I have some like segments, but you are you are in the last segment of the podcast that I asked right now. So we'll just jump to that because because the the question that I ask people is what's your coma? Which is just oh. like for me, you know, for me, it was a fucking coma. For other people, mm. a coma is just a moment of transformation, right? Mm. Um, where you're one thing before you peel off a few layers or you leave some things behind and you're wow. something new after. Is this moment that you're talking about, was that what this feels like? That's so interesting because I feel like I've had a few comas. Um, okay. And, but that's, this was definitely, this was definitely a big, that was a huge coma. I mean, cause this is like seven years ago now. Seven. Okay. Seven years ago, you lose this valet job. How long have you been in Chicago at that point? Uh, I, I moved to Chicago March 2011. Ooh, yeah, March March 2011, and the valet job was uh, okay. I, I started inside, so, so a year and a half, a year and a half. You know, I was at the, and you had this degree. Yeah, I had this degree. You've been in Chicago a year and a half. You yeah, used this valet job. Yeah, your what happened with your friend? Um, oh, my friend just my friend. Uh, yeah, my nigga Chris. He he literally just dropped dead. Like he was getting ready to get married. One month, he was with his dad at a restaurant. Literally dropped dead. And autopsy comes back. From what? Autopsy comes back ambiguous. Like, he was 29. 
Um, that was his also his Saturn return. Crazy, died in the middle of Saturn return. Um, Saturn returns when you're 27. Is that what Saturn it is? returns like 20? It's about 29 and a half on average. It happens to you about 29 and a half, and it's like, okay. and it's roughly the 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 year before that and after that. So let's say 20 and a half to 30 and a half. That's this rough period. Astrologically, you're coming into your adulthood. And you, everybody kind of, I mean, it's not, it's not always tough for everybody, but it's stereotypically this tough time where you go through some shit, you come out of it and you're like, this is what I'm about. I'm going to have to work really hard to do it, but this is what it is. Or it's like, fuck, I hate this. This shit sucks. And you're bitter. That's like the Saturn return. <laughs> That's wild because I went into a coma when I was fucking thirty. So dude, I'm fucking that, with this right now. Yes, dude. It everybody. It shoot. Fuck. And then if we look at your, if we like to look at your chart, we can get the actual date and the time. And it gets yeah. Anyway. So then, okay. So so super mysterious. So I don't even feel like I need to know the exact order these things happen. Yeah. But were you what? Ma- what then made? being a comedian so unstable that all those things turned in and attacked that wait i'm confused what, what, like, what made- like why like why i don't think for everyone these things happening would immediately make them jump to am i even comedian? am i even a comedian? oh well be- oh because i um because of what i believed at the time and the way i was raised um Success just felt really, really important. If success and money felt like the only ways of having a sense of worth and value. And that, uh, so when you started comedy, what was the success dream? Um, so, to, so, and so when I started comedy in 2008, in my brain, um, in my brain, I'm 23 and I'm like, dude, if I hit 30, I was telling people this, if I hit 30 and nothing, you know, cause I don't, I don't know how this shit's going to work, but you know, like, look, I'm hilarious in five years, everything's just going to be great. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just going to work out. I don't know. I, I had no plan. It was just, it was just like, just hubris, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know what y'all motherfuckers are doing, but for me, five years, I'm going to be fucking, I'm going to be on the phone with Chris Rock. We'll be laughing and shit, <laughs> Def Comedy Jam, all that shit. It's just going to happen. I had no, there was no, there was no plan. It was just like, people are just going to see me and they're going to know that I'm amazing. That's it. Yeah. And so, sure. and I, and I was going to be like, hey, if I hit the 30 and shit doesn't work, then I'll quit. That's what I said. And so and it doesn't even sound like the success dream was like specific. It, it wasn't was just, specific at all. It was, it was just, just sparkly. It was just sparkly. It was just like, I'm going to make it. I had no idea what make it was. Right, I had no concept. Right, right, right. It was, there was nothing. There was, there was, there was just, yeah, it was, yeah, it was just like, I'm sorry. Which is why that shit is so vulnerable to attack because if it's so vague, <laughs> then of course it's like, if, if you don't know what make it is, of course you can always be like, well, how, how I don't know how I'm going to make it because yeah. you don't know what it is. So the target's constantly moving. So okay, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. It just felt like um, I just need to, like, whoa, they're making lists of cock comedians of 20, uh, 2011. <laughs> right. I should be on the list. Why am I not on the list? Well, this person's doing this. I should be doing this. Like, why am I not okay. making this? Or just like it was just like a because it's, it's also because it's vague. I'm looking at anything anyone else is doing and feeling immediately envious because I don't, because it's like, yep. I don't yep. have, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going driving this boat. So everything everybody else is doing feels like the shiny thing. Like, Oh, maybe, maybe I, I want to do that. Maybe yeah. I should do that. Why am I not doing that? Why the fuck didn't they ask me to do that? Oh my gosh, I'm a failure. <laughs> and so like, just like this, like loop just going around. And so, so then 2013 happened. And so 2013, I'm about to be 30. Yeah. 2013, 20, 2013, I'm on the precipice of 30 and I'm like, Dude, you're 29, and this shit is not anything you envisioned. 
<laughs> like you got fired from being, you moved to Chicago, you got fired from being a valet. You never even moved to New York. You said you're you moving here to like, I moved there to do, make some money doing insurance adjusting and then moved to New York. And then I quit the insurance adjusting shit because I was like, why am I insurance adjusting? What the fuck am I doing? Like mm-hmm. I show up in a state farm polo at somebody's house and they call the cops on me. It's like the neighbor called the cops and it's like, motherfucker, y'all called me to be here. I'm not, I'm only here. Cause then, so it's just like realizing the racism of the Midwest. Cause I, I, I grew up in the South. I never had a cops calling me in my entire fucking life. Yeah. I moved to Chicago, fucking Berwyn, Illinois. This shit happens. Anyway. So I'm like, why the fuck am I showing up in these places? Climbing roofs to stay farm, trying to make a buck, praying for a hurricane so I can make a bunch of claims and like make this huge money. I know. I just, uh, anyway, I don't want to explain insurance, how insurance works, but it was just like, I was in the wrong racket. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. all right, let's just, let's just do this other thing. And then, so everything is crumbled in my brain. Everything had crumbled. And I got fired from this valet job. And I was like, you don't have money. You're not in New York. You're not on. You're 29. What the fuck are you doing? This shit, like, like what? Yeah, it was just like, it was, that was, um, and it was very depressing. Yeah. So then what happened that got you out of that? Mm. Um, that was the beginning of self-assessment. That was the beginning of very, that the, even um, a very rigorous, I was like, because my parents Shat, shat on what I did so much and I had no um I didn't have any validation for my path as an artist besides like I just have a gut feeling this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um but I but but my 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 part of my brain is kind of like analytical like I need something <laughs> I need something outside of me to verify this. Like I wish I I wish I could just be like I have a hunch let's go but I was like but having a system outside of me helps me um which is like you know Fast forward seven years from that time, I'm an astrologer now. But like at that point, it was like, um, and it was it was almost like Wall Street. It was like all these, you know, like Google makes their employees take this test called Strength Finders. Um, it's it's like if on all these like business circles, it's like a self test. It gives you your top five strengths. Um, and so I took str- this test. My buddy Emeka, who's like really into like Enneagram, uh, which is another self assessment thing. He was yeah. like, yo, we got to take the strength finders test so we can figure it out because if we can be our best, because if we can be number one at ourselves then nobody can beat us. And that was like this idea in my head. Like, oh, okay. So I just got to figure out how I work and then I'll know if I can, even, if I should even be a comedian. So what got me, reading books, reading, reading, reading a lot of books, um, reading self-assessment books, but also a lot, there's a lot of other types of books like that kind of changed my mindset. This one called The Art of Possibility by Benjamin Zander and Rosamund Zander. They're like a couple, he's a He's a conductor. She's a therapist. And um, it really helped open my mind at that. Because um, I, I um, the way I grew up, I just, the the way I grew up, the what I valued and what I thought was important was very one way. It was so narrow. It was so, and that book just had this, like, one of the, the opening premise of the book is everything's invented. So choose something that wow. works for you. And then they talked about, like, the calculating self and the... Um, and the central self and the calculating self is always measuring. It always needs to, and it needs this, and this is, but the central self is just, it just exists. It's just being, it's literally just being in itself. Anyway, so I had a lot of these, um, it had a lot of these, uh, these mindset things that just helped me give me a bigger perspective. Um, and, and it came at got you to the perspective that like, oh, I am an artist. I need to be doing this. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm especially curious because I feel like, I feel like I've been into what you're calling self-assessment for decades. Mm. Like since high school, I was into personality tests, mm. but it, it's only in the last couple years that I've been reckoning with this thing, which I've been since like 
since December, basically, I've been calling it like fame mindset. And it's just like giving up the idea that I need to be famous and that, and that it's a specific like thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and like, like, like honestly being like, I've enjoyed, I haven't had some crazy, amazing thing on TV. You know, maybe it'd be different Mm -hmm. if I had some really substantial role, but the little TV things I've done, I'm like, this is nice, but doing shows on stage that like I conceived of and there's like lights and, and I'm working with someone and like the whole room feels like they're on the same page. I'm like, that's the shit. And mm. people don't really get famous doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. we have to give up on that idea. So, so maybe that's not what you're describing, but what you're describing of like, I'm an artist, I need to be doing this sounds like that to me. And especially you and me, we're both still in Chicago. We yeah. both didn't plan to stay in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know where, how'd you come to that? Yeah. Another person I was reading at the time is a guy named Seth Godin, um, mm-hmm. who's a marketing mm-hmm. guy. Uh, yeah. But he he he's he's he has a different approach, and he actually is where I got the art of possibility from. He was like, "Oh yeah, I read this book. I really liked it." Um, but Seth talks Seth talks a lot about being an artist. Seth talks a lot about how we're all artists, and Seth really helped me. Seth and my nigga Emeka, who got me into shit, uh, like Emeka, almost like my my buddy Emeka also gave a lot of credit to because when I moved to Chicago, I was you know we be we were always going out and trying to meet girls and shit, and we like you know walk up to girls and they'd be like. Oh, so what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm an insurance adjuster. And he'd be like, dude, what the fuck? You didn't move to Chicago to do insurance adjusting. You moved here to be a comedian. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just something I couldn't I couldn't own being a comedian because of this fame thing you're talking about. Like, yeah. well, I, I don't have a credit and I don't have this and I don't have this. So how can I be a comedian? Because that's what the average person on the street doesn't think you're a comedian unless you've unless they know the five names that they know, you know, right, right, uh, right. at any at any in any given year. Um and so, um, and so he was like, nah, man, just do that. Like, if I was a comedian, I'll be saying that shit all the fucking time. Are you kidding me? I can't believe you're not, not talking about this. And so having him in my ear, I lived with him at the time and, uh, having him in my ear, like that, that like helped me. <laughs> um, but it also, and then, but at the same time, but internalizing it on a real level was reading Seth, um, reading a lot of Seth and listening to him, uh, listening to him on podcasts, the way he talked about like, you know, being an artist is not about, um, it's not, it's, it's not, it's, he just, he just made it very pure. I don't, I don't know how he says it, but the, the essence of it is being an artist is not about the status thing. Being an artist is simply about, I choose to make this and that in itself is great. The fact that I, that I'm choosing to make this and that, and that gives me satisfaction, that in itself is the thing. Um, and that was, a um, that was, a, that was, that was really huge. There's a one, there's another, there's one civic book that I, that I like that he really, that he wrote. And it's like, it's got a lot of pictures and I got to wish I had it. It's in my living room, but, um, that book helped me a lot. And hearing Seth, there was a particular Seth Godin was on, on being a podcast by Chrissy Tippett on faith. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. You, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that episode, that shit. Of, yeah, yeah. his episode of on being came to me around this period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It came to me the year. Yeah, it came to me that year. Earlier that year, in twenty at the top of twenty thirteen, I listened to that episode a lot. That episode really. There were a lot of ideas in that episode that changed the my that were that really spoke to me at that time in my life. Um, about um, yeah, about just a, a, about the simpleness of being an artist, and then and so and so and then I'm taking all this self assessment stuff, this enneagram stuff that kind of helped me, um, just think about 
uh, my role in a different way. And then when my buddy died, um, it was like, well, dude, I could drop dead. Yeah. And if I drop dead, what would if 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 I drop dead, I don't think I would give a fuck about whether I was on its night show or not. I would just care that I was doing my shit. So we're in like heavy territory, but I yeah, want to steer yeah. us into slightly different heavy territory. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's your show, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, so normally the first heavy question I ask people is what do you hope happens when you die? Oh, my God. What do I hope happens? What do you mean? Do you mean like to me or to the people around me? Like what is, or after, after I die, what do I hope? Yes. Good God. But you know what's <laughs> wild is literally white people never talk about the people around them. White people, and, I, and I'm the same way, go straight to the afterlife. Like, like non-white people go to their kin, their family, <laughs> generational shit, like way more. And, and it's very interesting to me. I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not anymore either, but I was at first. <laughs> I mean, I mean, because I mean, because it's like if you're buying into the idea of whiteness, like that meant, that means you've sold off, like you know, your Irish heritage, your Scott heritage, whatever, to buy into being white. And if you've sold off that part of yourself, you sold off all those those rich stories, those rich heritages. That's so that real, give you that oh, shit. Yes. But if you're only buying yeah. into whiteness, then you're just like, well, it's all about getting money, and that's it is all about yourself because whiteness is yeah. so devoid. But white people have so much shit besides whiteness but you know they come here the irish the fucking you know motherfuckers come here irish italian whatever and they sold that shit off because like hey well if you hate black people and join white club (laughs) right right then you know you can you know get this house in this neighborhood whatever the fuck they told y'all to get (laughs) and then people get into that and they they lose this rich groundedness um because i feel like it's really not i mean the european shit i mean i mean you sent me that book by that um john o'donohue the the irish dude yeah 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 i mean like did you check that out on i just looked did you Oh, yeah. I just checked out the table of contents. But like, you know, like, you know, I mean, European shit got that. They got their own rich fucking oh, shit. Oh, Irish especially got yeah, some Yeah, Irish crazy got some crazy shit. shit. Scott's got some crazy shit. I don't yeah, know about the British. Yeah, yeah. The British seem like the ones that fucked it up for y'all. <laughs> the British yeah. seem like they really fucked it up for everybody. Yeah, I feel like the British and maybe like, I- I'm trying to think of who were the crazy colonists. It was like the British and like the Dutch were real intense, right? Oh, the and Dutch were the, insane. Like, oh, my God. The old Spanish. Like oh, yeah. Super and Spanish, Spanish. I bet this you're you're still evading the yeah I'm swerving the I'm swerving the fuck out of this was like yeah let's talk about the philosophy <laughs> <laughs> so however you however you want to answer it Jesus Christ what do I what hope do you, yeah I've never hoped to die <laughs> well but do you hope things- what do I hope happens when I die that is a yeah. big man that's a big question. That's a big question because I feel like if I say the wrong answer and it happens, I'm like, fuck, man, you you manifested this on Dave Mars podcast in 2020. Wait, so you <laughs> would say the wrong answer, but it becomes the right answer? It becomes the answer. It's become like, I'm saying like, oh, I hope that when I die, I go to fucking heaven. I'm not like, fuck, now I'm here with Jesus. I could be chilling with goddamn Prince and Michael Jackson. Why the fuck am I? I don't know if I want, I don't know if I want to chill with Michael Jackson, but Prince, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> damn. What do I hope happens when I die? Let me let me ask you some questions that I have about it. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you hope 
that your consciousness continues after you die. Like that, you I believe that my consciousness. I believe my consciousness continues when I die. I'll t- you know what? I'll t- you know, I don't have hopes. I have a bunch of ideas that I've absorbed, and I don't know if I'm like hoping in them. But you asking okay. me that makes me think like it makes me think about what I think. What the, well, the ideas? It, yeah. the, the ideas that I absorb that I resonate with. But I don't know right. if I hope for them. You know, because because that's okay. What are those? Um. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, because he's like, does consciousness continue? And I, and as I'm, 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 I'm Igbo, right? Where we live in what is now called Nigeria, and that's it, the tribe. Yeah, yeah, it's a tribe, the ethnic group, and okay, and we, um, I guess an Igbo cosmology was similar to a lot of motherfuckers. Is like, you know, the Afro, like I have like a an altar to my ancestors right now, and I, I, I feel them very, uh, very viscerally. Like we commune, we hang out, we talk and shit. Um. And through that relationship, and my my buddy dying in 2013 was the beginning. Like this is new. The ancestral, like a rela- developing relationship with my ancestors is new this year. But my buddy laid the trail for that when he passed away in 2013. He's like a childhood friend, like one of my first friends. I met him when I was five. And when he passed away, um, I was kind of agnostic, like on that atheist kind of not atheist, but like diet atheist kind of shit. Like I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, argue about yeah. it, <laughs> but I don't know what the fuck's going on. Diet atheist is like an album title. <laughs> like a, is, that's like that a com- comedian fucking. Yeah. Diet. Atheist. Okay. So he, so, and then how did he change that? Um, because I just felt his presence. I would, I would. And I, you wanted to start talking to him. No, it wasn't really that dramatic. It wasn't really, oh, it okay. wasn't really that dramatic. It was just like, I would just, there would just be moments like, I would drive through the intersection where I where I was when I learned that he died, and there would just be an energy there that was like, "Whoa, that's okay." I can't, de- I cannot deny that I'm feeling something right now, and this does not make logical sense to me. But I know I feel so. Hey, what up, man? How you doing, bro? <laughs> it was, was kind of like that, just like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like, there's no, you know, it's not, there's no call and response, right? But I just, I just like would recognize I'm feeling right. something. I'm feeling a sensation here. Um, and it, and it would kind of be like that kind of subtly. Um, and so anyway, long story short, uh, I come from a tradition of people that believe that when you pass on, uh, it's almost like you're, you're joining, like maybe I guess like collective consciousness is the one, one way to put it. Like, you know, right. there's a, like, there's a bunch of souls here, you know, you can holler, you can reach out, like we, we're, we're here. Um, and so when you ask the question, do I believe in my consciousness? How do I feel? Do I want my conscience to continue? I absolutely believe that my conscience continue. I don't know what exactly that form will take, but I feel like I I know that I um, commune with the, the presence of a consciousness beyond me often. And it's not just like one. It's like a, when you say collective consciousness, it's not just you're like going back with the oneness. You're like communing with like a group of individuals where you can say, hey, I want to talk to I know Emeka's your alive friend. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I want to talk to Emeka, and Emeka's voice comes out. In yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that. I'm not. I don't think. I don't think I have that level of attunement yet. Where I'm like, hey, yo, auntie. But in terms of your beliefs, yeah, yeah. But in my beliefs, yeah, I, I believe that is a possibility. Absolutely, I believe that as a possibility. Yeah, and I, and it's something that you could work at. Yeah, yeah. What about to the people around you? What do you hope happens? What do I have to people around me? Mm. 
<sighs> what do I hope happens to the people around me? Man, I hope that um I hope that they are able to um I know death sucks for anybody that loves you. But I, I hope if anything it it um they can be awoken to whatever their own uh righteous path is through the uh the grief process of death. Yeah. What yeah, whatever path that is like really for them, I hope that they can that the uh the gravitas of death kind of nudges them that way. So in the same way that your buddy's death. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm hoping what happens to me happens to you. <laughs> just popping in here to let you know that if you were listening to the full episode on Patreon, you would be hearing Odinaka talk about funeral planning next. Since you're not, we're skipping over that. But if you do want to hear that part and a lot more from this episode, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Back to the show. So this this podcast is based on my most recent one man show because there's a couple of big questions. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember you doing a bit about your funeral. Did, did I, am I misremembering that? Well, I mean, all I've talked about is this coma shit since it <laughs> happened to me. So it's like shut the fuck up already, you know. But uh, but no, I mean, may may maybe. But but th- this specific segment of this show mm-hmm. is called relive one memory. Okay, because in the show, which is called Feed Wolf Ice Cream. I propose that in the afterlife, you get to choose one memory to relive. Hmm. Um, not, not remember, you are fully dropping down in and re-experiencing this memory. You only get to pick one, but you're not stuck in it. It's just like a memory you can visit whenever you want, however many times you want. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose? Wow. This is like, hey, man, if you go to your happy place, what would it be? <laughs> maybe. But maybe it's not your happy place. Oh. Maybe there are other reasons. Maybe there are other things you want to relive. Oh, wow. Oh, you want so you're just, you're just revisiting the memory, just like a memory. That sounds like such you're, a trap to me. Oh, my God. Why? Because uh, I'm like, I don't have one memory. I have so many memories. I got one one, like well, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a fucking exercise, dude. You know, I'm, I'm not holding you to this, okay? It's not a real, it's not a real test, all right? I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, come on, no. <laughs> yeah, well, let's blow up the whole conceit of the show, man. It, yeah, you got me. Stop it. You know, it's an artificial construct. I'm sorry. I'm bro. sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad question. I'm just like, I'm just imagining myself. Oh, I know it's a good question. You know, I, you can't, you can't sway me from this. <laughs> I'm just like, oh fuck. I'm just, I'm just thinking like, oh fuck me. I'm, I'm just like, my own neurosis is circling around one memory. <laughs> oh, there is one memory that you're thinking of? No, no, no. It's just like I get it. My, my brain gets a hold of a memory, and it's like mm. the shark. It's like, yeah, yeah, you did fuck that up. Yeah, this is why you're a loser. Just like going around, and so it's like, I better pick a fucking happy motherfucker because this is so it's different than what I normally do in the afterlife. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, 
That's a terrible. That's a terrible idea. Um, I was gonna say, oh, the first time I got hit, because so, I could, so I could really be present for it. But I was like, that's a terrible thing to say. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily. You don't have to like be a better person than that. Is that were you not present for it? I mean, I, I think about it now, and I'm like, was I present? I feel like I, you know, I was filled with Christian guilt. I was like, I'm do, I'm doing this, and I'm wrong for it because Jesus said that you should not lust. Mm, and was it? But was it? Well, I mean, at that point, you're not really lusting anymore. You're fucking doing the thing. You're not really like staring from afar. That's what I think of lusting. Like, but, but, where did the Christian guilt though make it better? No, it didn't. No, because I was oh, still, really? I was still, I went to confession the next day. Man, I was in the sauce. Mm. I was. I, I was it in. someone that you cared about a lot? Yeah, like yeah, they're like my they're my first girlfriends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so you wouldn't you wouldn't relive that. I, I mean, sh- shit. I, w- I mean, I, 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 that, that, it's like, oh, that feels like a throwaway. But like, if I'm like, if this wasn't a podcast and I was just myself, like, oh, you know what? That'd be cool to relive. <laughs> okay. I don't okay. Know for all time, though. But yeah, you know. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. So what, so other, what, uh, what feelings other than the guilt were present? Mm. I mean, I think that's a pretty big one. Like I think I think the I think the guilt and the shame is enough to really repress. Yeah, yeah, that was like because yeah, I think there was so much. Um, yeah, there was it, there was so much. Also, just just so much because ugh, the matrix of that is like there's there's the shame in the act, the shame in my body, the shame in and being here, the shame in like in the idea of being able to receive pleasure. Um, all all but there's still. I mean, you couldn't have gone through with it if all there was was guilt and shame. Oh. Well, you know, like, yeah, okay, let's say, let's say, let's say I enjoyed it. Uh, let's say I enjoyed it 70%. There's 30% untapped potential right there. Let's get into it. You know what? That's what, let's, let's get it. Like, we get rid of, we get rid of the guilt and shame and we can enjoy the whole 100% experience, the whole enchilada. So you're, so you're saying you would want to go back in order to optimize the experience. To be, yeah, to be fully, to be fully present. Not to optimize. I ain't trying to change shit. Just like, yo, let's be you. 100% here and not like here and be like, oh, fuck, this is so good. Oh, fuck, but God hates you. Oh, fuck, I'm going to hell. Oh, fuck. You know, like, <laughs> like that rumination. Of, yeah. Was, All right. You said, I need a better she, answer, man. This is terrible. No, this is a good answer. <laughs> I love it. It's so, it's, it's very pure. It feels very pure. Yeah. What was this? You said she, right? Yeah. Was she also hella christian nah she was like what the fuck are you doing like get out like were you saying it while it was happening no no no, like, no, no i don't no, no. know if god wants me no 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 it wasn't like that it was like uh i mean just when you went to confession she was like what the fuck was that no about? it was it was like it, uh, okay like you know what the next the, like the next day she was like hey why are you so sad i'm like um do you have a bible damn <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that's probably the first. <laughs> why are you so sad you're like well because of what we did last night. Yeah. Like, oh, you're sad. Okay. Well, uh, we're done with that. You're not. You're not getting any of that anymore. No. I mean, she was like, "You're on bullshit." Like, come on. She's like, "You're on." And I was on bullshit because it's like, you know, it's almost because my brain can really attach to a framework. Um. Yeah. I guess so. Like, so I I was really I was lost in this like Catholic Christian sauce for a long time. That, that was yeah for a long time and um too long. And so that, yeah, that should really, um, and yeah, that, that really shaped my actions and the way I did things. But this person, she was like, he was like, dude, that's not, God doesn't care about that. God does not care about this. I guarantee you. (laughs) 
I guarantee you, God is a pretty good argument. Uh, If he does care, I feel like he cares in a positive way. Go for it, man. Yeah, but yeah, well, we didn't have a lot of deep philosophical arguments. It was like, oh, you're doing this thing again, and then whatever, you know. So, if you were present in this, where where did this happen? Uh, It happened at her place, her parents' place, right? No, no, this is college. This is like her her dorm. Oh, okay, okay. So she did she have any roommates? Yeah, she did. Yeah, and they were out. Ah, I don't know. They they might have been there. I wasn't. I was. You know, there was not in the room though. It wasn't like a dorm. This is like like a. This is like the college apartments. You know, I had the college apartments where it's like you know, you're an adult, but you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go crazy, Um, drink a Smirnoff in your yeah thing. Yeah. Do you remember any of the? sensory details that you would then be more present for like do you remember smells do you remember oh, wow. things on the wall now i really remember, regret, now i really regret this <laughs> where did you look we're not saying names we're not saying anybody's name you know, so like, wait wait that. i was like oh i didn't know you were actually going to relive the experience i was like this is the throwaway so i can tell a better answer uh, no nah, man we're uh, in it we already we already did it you you locked the door <laughs> fuck oh my brain okay uh hmm uh, you know what? Like, okay, like, what did the what did the, what did the sheets feel like? Right? What? Did, yeah, what did the sheets feel like? Um, that's not really what I care about. But like, let's let's say I care about. Let's, let's say. <laughs> so, what do you really care about? <laughs> what, what what did the sheets feel like? What does it feel? What is this? Um, what does it feel like to be in all of my body, not just my dick, like all of my body? Like, what does my what does my chest feel like, yo? Like, what do my arms feel like? What do my fingers feel like? What do my toes feel like? Like to be like. Head to toe, just like present with all the sensation of this moment. Like, what is that? What is that like? Yeah, to really be in my body because I was just so in my head. Um, yeah. Now I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be in your body, just to watch. I just want to watch. No, um, I mean, it sounds like tantric. It sounds like amazing. It sounds like meditative, you know, like a fucking um. blowjob body stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like it sounds really it it like, I mean obviously there's like jokey parts of it, but there there is something about that that feels really. You said this is the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just think about because like I mean I yeah to just like to really because like yeah because the the shame and the joy really blocks being able to be in my body because I'm telling a story in my head and I'm not I'm not really in, I was like I came but I'm not really in my body for this experience. Right. Well, and I feel like that kind of shaped a lot of my sex life, actually, come to think of it now. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. How, yeah. do, what does it mean? Like, what, how do, what meaning do you make from that experience? Meaning? From the. Yeah. Uh, well, in what way did it affect the rest of your sex life? Um, yeah. Just laid a blueprint for not being. In well, body? yeah. I mean, absolutely. But I mean, I think, I, th- I mean, I think the way that that might have skewed the rest of my sexual experiences is actually bigger than that. Cause I mean, it's bigger than the, that moment because it's like, I, I came into it with this religious story that God doesn't want you to be pleasurable. Right. Which I didn't get from that experience with her. I came in with that and that affected it. So it's like the way, when I think of the way to shape my sexual experiences, I'm thinking of like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking like, yes, I was not in my body, but not because of that exp- I'm, I was not in my body for the rest of my sexual experiences, but I'm, I'm still working with that. I'm fucking 36 and still working with like, can I be really present in here when I'm having sex and not have this like mm-hmm. conquest idea or this idea to like, yo, I'm doing this because this is what like, 
you know, the, this, this is, this is, this is, this is what is, uh, I'm, this is going to sound dumb, but this is what it is. This is what's is cool. This is what rappers say. This is what like, this is, this is what the culture says it means to be a man. Like, this is an experience where I'm like, I am doing something here rather than like, yo, we're just here. And like, I'm going to touch you here. And can you feel, can you just be present with me touching you right here? And that's it. And nothing else. Like so much, like, I am just trying to t- lock into being able to do that now. And, um, and I had to unlearn so much shit um, from even before that moment to even wrap my head around this idea that I'm trying to get into now. I mean, dude, there are obvious parallels between this and the fame mindset versus the indie artist. <laughs> It's like the it, no, for real though. It is like okay. It's like it's like the glamour thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like which version of creativity or comedy do you mm-hmm. want? Which yeah. version of sex do you want? Mm-hmm. Do you want this imaginary version? Do you want this thing that it's like? Because when if you're if you're thinking of this is what the rappers do while you're having sex, you are <laughs> you are you are not doing what the rappers do, which is what the, there's the thing the rappers do mm-hmm. and then there's the thing you're doing yeah. which is do which is think of what the rappers do while you're doing your thing yeah do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah, you're but- not actually like in magic city fucking or r- running the credit card oh, down tip drill. Crack the <laughs> yeah tip drill or whatever <laughs> like you're like you're um so y- your options aren't have this glamorous thing or have a dog shit experience your options are have the experience you're having and imagine you're somewhere else or have the experience you're having recognize it's yours and be there for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing the parallel you're drawing now where it's like, um, it's, um, sex is, sex is performance. Like when I, we say rappers think I'm thinking like, um, I'm thinking of young Jeezy. I come first, she come last. And it's like, not even, but you know, and it's like, which is not a bad thing to say. Right. But it's like, but it's, but it's, is it truly from a place of pleasure or is it from a place of like, I get to brag about this. Right. But I want to be the motherfucker that brags about this. I get to, I get to say this. Whereas can we just be here for the experience of whatever is happening? Um, Not as a performance. So I can meet some standard that I got from the dude in the eighth grade locker room who told me, Hey man, this is how you do it. When you get in there, you do this and this. And I'm like trying to, or like had to have a story to tell afterwards when I'm in. Yeah. Which is not, I'm not. Yeah. Which right. is, and what I'm tugging the boat about is saying that like, that's the same with stand up where you're like, are you going to do stand up so you can have the story to tell? Or are you going to do stand up? Cause you like doing stand up. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I was, I was getting to that in a very long winded way, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the show. Thank you so much. If you want to hear Odinaka's Kill One Thing segment, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Go to my website, thisisdavemarr.com to sign up for my newsletter, find out about all my other shit. Follow Odinaka at Odinaka on Instagram. His name, odinakaezeokoli.com to book an astrology reading with him. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Miracles, you can do them. 
have faith You are human Only human And human beings they do 